Amen. All right. I want you to notice what it says in Genesis 3.16. It says, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And I want to preach a sermon today called Preserving the Patriarchy. Preserving the patriarchy, and as we watch the rapid and the intentional destruction of our nation, of our culture, not only are we seeing, especially in the month of June, the worst type of perversions promoted, but we're also seeing all that is good attacked. While everybody is promoting perversion, everything good about our society is attacked. And one of the many things in our society that is being attacked today, and especially I'm seeing this by former independent fundamental Baptists, people who have gone away from that as they are literally openly attacking uh, what they call the patriarchy. And as I go through this message, I'm going to say many things. I'm, I'm not trying to be provocative. What I'm going to say is 100% true, but it, might, it just might not set well with you when you hear some of it. And just understand... If it doesn't, nobody's picking on you, but you've got to understand if certain things cross your mind as I state these facts, it's just because we've been influenced by propaganda and brainwashing. And there is absolutely nothing that the Bible teaches, nothing that I'm going to teach here today that is demeaning of women in any way. If anything, it lifts up women to the, their God-ordained role that he gave them and what is being promoted today is literally bringing women down it is destructive towards women and let me tell you i'm not one bit embarrassed by what the bible teaches and uh, what it promotes it's right it's worked it's proven and so uh, patriarchy if you look up the webster's 1828 definition of it i always think it's interesting to look up the 1828 definition, and then the modern definition of things because it's funny how the changes that they make in definitions, they're always subtle, but they're always obvious and why they are there. But the 1828 definition uh, just means, the, it says the jurisdiction of a patriarch. And so a patriarch in the 1828, it's the father and ruler of a family, one who governs by paternal right. It is usually applied to the progenitors of the Israelites, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the sons of Jacob, or to the heads of families before the flood as the antediluvian patriarchs. So that's what's in the 1828. And then uh, in dictionary.com, it says patriarchy, a form of social organization in which the father is the supreme authority in the family, clan, or tribe, and descent is reckoned in the male line with the children belonging to the father's clan or tribe. Um, another definition is a society, community, or country based on this social organization, a social system in which power is held by men through cultural norms and customs that favor men and withhold opportunity from women. So notice that little extra part they put in there too. They're holding out on you ladies. You know, that's, what the, that's what the devil did with Eve that brought the curse on her. Hey, God's holding out on you, Eve. If you'll eat that fruit, you'll be like God's knowing good and evil. And let me tell you, the devil is still working on women today. He's like, hey, the men are holding, they're holding out on you. They're not giving you opportunity that you deserve. And boy, you ladies, you have no idea what it's like to be a man and how great your life would be if you were a man. And folks, it's not making women happier. It's literally making some women think they are men. And uh, that's never a pretty sight. 
It's a, it's a, it's a horrifying sight. But it's what's going on. Wikipedia. Uh, Wikipedia, if you ask it what the patriarchy is, it's a social system in which positions of dominance and privilege are primarily held by men. It is used both as a technical anthropological term for families or clans controlled by the father or eldest, eldest male or group of males. And in feminist theory, where it is used to describe broad social structures in which men dominate over women and children. In these theories, it is often extended to a variety of manifestations in which men have social privileges over others causing exploitation or oppression, such as through male dominance of moral authority and control of property. Patriarchal societies can be patrilineal or matrilineal, meaning that property and title are inherited by the male or female lineage, respectively. Patriarchy is associated various ideas forming patriarchal ideology that acts to explain and justify it and, and attributes it to inherent national or natural differences between men and women. I wonder where anybody got the idea there's differences between men and women. And that that's natural. <laughs> From nature, but anyway, uh, don't let me get ahead of myself. Divine commandment or other fixed structures. Some people think that came from the Bible. And yeah, they're right. Sociologists hold varied opinions on whether patriarchy is a social product or an outcome of innate differences between the sexes. Sociobiologists compare human gender roles to sex behavior in other primates. And some argue that gender inequality comes primarily from genetic and reproductive differences between men and women. Social constructionists contest this argument, arguing that gender roles and gender inequality are instruments of power and have become social norms to maintain control over women. Historically, patriarchy has manifested itself in the social, legal, political, religious, and economic organization of a range of different cultures. Most contemporary societies are in practice patriarchal. And so notice how, while it's given a lot of facts, it just puts this negative spin on it. Like, this is so bad. You know, this is so antiquated. This is so wrong. But let me tell you, the idea of a man being a leader in the home, the father being a leader in the home. The, the, the father, uh, and the thing is too, while our culture has changed a lot, okay, I, I do believe that, you know, we still have, you know, I, I, we still practice the patriarchy for the most part, even though, like, we don't have, most of us have, like, lands and large businesses and things, but typically, the oldest male is kind of the one in charge of the family. And obviously, when, you know, young men get married too, they leave father and mother, and then they kind of start their own clan. You know, they have their uh, you know own authority at that time. But if we had a situation too, like where I had a family farm and I had a land, and my son is working that land and has an inheritance, technically he would still be under my authority until I die, and then he fully receives that inheritance. Okay. Now, fortunately for my son, or unfortunately. Uh, I don't really have anything to leave him. Uh, he doesn't have really anything to wait for. So the thing is, you know, once he gets married and leaves my house, I don't really have anything I can boss him around with. So, um, so you know, he's, so he's off the hook at me bossing him around anymore, but he also doesn't have a big inheritance to look forward to either. So it balances itself out, right? So, you know, because of how we are in our society today, most of us don't have anything. The government owns everything. We're just kind of wards of the government, pretty much, uh, you know, and just stewards for them. 
Uh, we don't have, you know, there are some differences. But in reality, um, the patriarchy is, it's 100% biblical. The father is leader over his jurisdiction or his inheritance. And Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And I do, I believe when a young man gets married and he starts his own family and he has his own inheritance, he is in charge over that. That is what God set up. That is what God ordained. Now, I'm just going to give you a few facts about the patriarchy to show that it's biblical. But then, man, I'm going to, you know, you're going to get preached at, all right? So, you know, while you'll get excited at the first part of the message, you know, just hang on, okay? But some cold, hard facts about patriarchy. First off, did you know that the man was the head even before the curse? Even before the curse. In Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So when God made man, God gave him dominion over everything, but God didn't like that he was alone, so God made a woman to be a help that was meet or suitable for him, that would be a help and a benefit to him, and God made Eve. You all know that story. We see in 1 Corinthians 11.4, it says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her not let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as a woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things of God, judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? And so here Paul is talking about authority and the importance of women being under the authority of their husbands. And he uses the fact that the woman was created for the man. So the man being the head, that is not something that came with a curse. Now, based on Genesis 3.16, you might think that that was the curse, but we're going to go back to that and I'm going to show you, no, the, the, the man being in charge or the head was not the curse. That was already there. That was already something that God put in place even before the curse. For example, a lot of people say, well, work is the curse for man. No, God actually gave man work before that. The curse was the thorns and the sweat and the fact that it was going to be it was going to be a lot more difficult for him. That was the curse for man. We're, man, we're, we're supposed to work. We're made to work. We need to work. You ruin men if they don't work. The most worthless men on the planet are guys who don't work. We need work. We need things to do. And so, in, uh, in Genesis 3.16, let's go back and let's read that passage again. Notice what it says. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And it's important that we understand what it says, or what it means when it says, thy desire shall be to thy husband. If this is just the woman desiring the man, you know, God's like, oh, that sounds pretty good. You know, and, you know, but no, that's not the curse. I think God wanted women to desire their husbands in, you know, in a physical sense, and husbands to desire their wives. Now, what does that mean when he, when, because it's part of the curse when he says, thy desire shall be to thy husband. 
And I think a good way to illustrate this and help us understand exactly what he's talking about here. Okay? In, in the Godhead, okay? in the Godhead, we understand there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we understand that the Father is in charge of the Son, correct? Jesus talked about that. Jesus submitted to the Father. We understand that you know there is there's an authority structure even with the Godhead, but the thing is, because all three of them are holy, there's never any conflict. There's never any conflict. In fact, often when the Holy Spirit is doing a work, it's attributed to the Father, the Son, and vice versa. It, it all kind of works together because they are always working in harmony with each other. There's never any conflict because all three are holy. Now, that's the way it's supposed to be in marriage. In marriage, the husband and wife, they are to be one flesh. The husband and wife are to be working together. And, and if, if my wife is doing something, you know, while she might be the one performing a certain role, you know, it's me too. I bear some responsibility. I can even take some credit for that. You know, because of the fact that we work as a team. We, we work together in these things. And so understand, uh, it, you know, when it comes to the Godhead, can anybody think of a time where there was any kind of close to a conflict? There was actually one time. And it was when the Holy Son of God had to drink the cup of sin. Uh, and in he, but that was necessary. In, in Hebrews 2.16, it says, For verily He took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren, this was necessary for Jesus to be made like his brethren. Why? That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Why did he have to be made like his brethren to be able to be a good high priest? For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted. He is able to succor them that are tempted. You know what that temptation was? Not drinking that cup of sin that God wanted him to drink. Jesus prayed and said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But you know what he also said? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So in that situation where we do, we do see a conflict between the desire of the Father and the desire of the Son, the Son submitted to the Father and His desire was to God's and He submitted Himself and He was obedient and he went to the cross. And so understand, when God gave that curse to the woman and said, thy desire shall be to thy husband, you know what he's, he knows now? Hey, you both are fallen creatures now. The husband is not holy. The wife is not holy. And while you're a team, while you're one flesh, you know what? There's going to be times where the two of you disagree. Has that ever happened to anybody's marriage besides mine? All right. <laughs> now, when that happens, you know what? Somebody's got to make a decision. Somebody's got to be in charge. And you know what? When, the, when that happens, the wife's desire should be to her husband and she should follow his lead. Okay? Now, if that bothers you, you, know, you need to stop watching The View. If that bothers you, you, know, you, need, to, you need to stop reading your feminist books and you know, all that kind of stuff. You, and you need to understand you, know, you submitting to your husband is you submitting to God. And, and that's going to happen. That is going to happen 
There's going to be disagreements. And when it does, somebody's got to make a decision. And you know who's supposed to make the decision? The man is. It's patriarchy. And I know it's frowned on today, but it's biblical. And that's part of the curse. And so, ladies, you know, this, this thing, following your husband, yeah, it's not always fun. It's part of the curse. Having babies, it's, it's great having babies, but it's a painful thing too, isn't it? It's part of the curse. And so, I, I didn't come up with this stuff. God did. And so, again, when the man and woman were without sin, following the husband would have been easy. They're going to be in agreement all the time. Because both, both are without sin, but now that's not the case. They're fallen, and so you know what? God's letting her know. Your desire is going to be to your husband, and he will rule over thee. There's going to be conflicts. And let me tell you, there's always going to be conflicts. But you know, you always have to have a head. You always have to have somebody that makes a final decision. Anything with more than two heads is a monster, as they say. And, when, and whenever that happens, those that are underneath should submit. And ladies, you should submit to your husband. Let me, and, and so another cold hard fact about the patriarchy is male leadership is not just an Old Testament concept, but it's a New Testament concept as well. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to her own husbands in everything. So this is, this is New Testament Pauline epistle stuff right here. This isn't just an Old Testament concept. This isn't just something that was in a different dispensation or something that they did under the law. No, this was something they did before the law. This was something that was before the curse. This is something also in the New Testament. Another cold hard fact about male leadership, it's not just a religious thing. It's not just a church thing. Understand, God set this up before a church was set up. Before there was anything like that. Before there was Israel. Before the law. Male leadership, it's not just a religious thing. It's not just a church thing. But it is what God set up for all societies. And the vast majority of societies have practiced this. From the beginning of time. From the beginning of time, this has been what was practiced. We see in 1 Corinthians 14.34, it says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Listen, this is, just, this is how it's always been. This is a societal thing. This is, this is just how it is for mankind. This is the way God set up the earth, that the women are to be in subjection. And you know what he's saying? And the law also says that. This was so, and it was shameful that this church had women taking authority and speaking in the church because it was shameful in their society. In Corinth, in a pagan society, it was shameful to have women in leadership because let me tell you, functioning societies have never had women ruling over the men. That is a shameful thing. And so he's calling that out. He says, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. That's our first Timothy 2.11 says, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So folks, we go on and on just proving the fact that God ordained male leadership. This is not a religious thing. This is 
a human thing. This is something that has been going on since the beginning of time. It is what has always worked. It's the way things always have been. It always should be. And I'm not trying to be obnoxious about it, but it's just an indisputable fact. God ordained men to lead. To lead. And the attack on the patriarchy, it's an attack on the Bible. It's an attack on civilized culture. It is a shame for women to rule. Isaiah 3.12 says, And as for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. Okay, now you're, ob- ob- you're obnoxious types. Okay, you're punks out there. They read this verse where it says that women should rule over them and they say, wow, those are terrible women. No, those are pathetic men. Women rule over you. Oh, I don't like them dominating women. I don't like men that can be dominated by women. Okay? Take some responsibility, guys. Come on. And let me tell you, it's always the punks out there that talk the biggest. They say the most extreme things. You know why? Because they can't handle strong women. And let me tell you, ladies, there's nothing wrong with being a strong woman. There's nothing wrong with having a strong personality. But let me say something to you men. If you can't handle that, there's something very wrong with you. You should be stronger. You should be stronger than your wives. Okay? And, and you know, you ought to be able to do more push-ups than your wives. And, you know, and all, all that stuff. But, you know, it's, if, if, if your wife can do a bunch of push-ups, it's not because she's a terrible person. Right? You know, you just you need to outdo her. Okay? And I'm hearing, I'm, I'm hearing that spousal abuse is becoming more of a thing where it's the women abusing the men. And, again, I don't believe in men ever abusing women, but come on, guys. You know, you, you, ought, you ought to be able to, you know, you ought to be able to win uh, in, in that fight. But, uh, don't get me going on that. But, again, what I'm saying, it, it is no more an attack on women than if I were to say that bucks have antlers and doe don't. I'm not, I'm not attacking the female species of animals. Bucks have antlers and does don't. There, there's a, there's a, a natural difference. You know, the bucks, because they have antlers, they're going to be better in a fight, aren't they? They're usually the ones that are protective. Both are deer. Without doe, deer would cease to exist. Without bucks, deer would cease to exist. There's nothing wrong. And thankfully, though, animals are not capable of hating God. And so there's never a problem. They never have a problem understanding their roles and things because they're not capable of hating God. Where men, we are capable of hating God. And as a result of that, we have all the weird perversion and things going on. I've never seen a deer that identified as a raccoon or something like that. But, you know, we've got people today. I've never seen a cat that I... uh, I've seen some cats that acted like they're better than humans. But at the same time, you know, you've got people... Identifying as cats and things like that today. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But Romans one twenty five says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And that's what's going on today. That's what's being promoted today. When we are pushing for women to lead our countries and to lead our states and all these things, We're encouraging them to go against nature. That's not what they're made to do. That's not what they want to do. It's not what it's natural for them to do. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of a woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even when they did not like retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Let me tell you what is going on in our society. It's not convenient. Okay, Lori Lightfoot did nothing to make Chicago better. Nothing. Made it way worse. 
You know, I remember back when everybody was critical of Mayor Daley, a Democrat, Mayor Daley. But now I hear Republicans like talking about Mayor Daley like he was the best thing Chicago ever had. You know why? Because it's just gotten so much worse since then. Things have gone downhill so much. Let me tell you, you show me somebody critical of the patriarchy and I'll show you somebody who supports homos every time. Because it, just like it is unnatural to support homosexuality, it's unnatural to be against the patriarchy. It, it makes no sense. And so, up to this point, you know, I'm sure the men are, you know, holding yourself back from running glory laps. But it's at the same time, you know, it's time to preach to the men. Because again, if, if women are taking over, just understand that is just as much a reflection of the men as in the, with the women. In fact, it's more of a problem with the men. When that's happening. And so, why is the patriarchy crumbling? I don't blame them. I don't blame the women. I don't blame Hillary. I don't, I, I, you know, and I like to talk about, make fun of the view and people like that. It's not their fault. You want to know why the patriarchy is crumbling? Because men have been derelict in their duties. That's why. In fact, it, uh, one of the portions in that Wikipedia article, it said, in these theories... It is often extended to a variety of manifestations in which men have social privileges over others. Okay? Now, first off, you know, you've heard of things like executive privilege. Right? Now, when somebody is in charge of a lot and has a great deal of responsibility, shouldn't they have a little bit of privilege? I mean, you know, we would expect them to have a little more privilege because, too, we don't want things, you know, we, want, we don't want to make their job impossible to do. So again, you know, if somebody is the president of a bank, you could say, I think it's okay to let him have a little more access to things than somebody who's a brand new teller in the bank. The guy who's the president, they're in charge of a lot, and they don't need to be jumping through a bunch of hoops and stuff just to get in the safe or something like that. We're, we're making, we're kind of handicapping them in their job. And so when somebody is in charge of something, and when they have a great deal of responsibility, I think it's okay to let them have a little bit of privilege. So again, if men have all the responsibility and if they have a couple of privileges in the area, I think we should be okay with that. That's just common sense, okay? Now, here's the thing. Anytime someone has privilege, there is a potential, there is a possibility that they could abuse that privilege. Now, we should never abuse our privilege. As a pastor, I should you know, be allowed with you know, certain privilege, you could say, in certain things, but I should never abuse that. That would be wrong for me to do that. There's always going to be limits when it comes to that kind of thing. And so it says they have social privileges of others causing exploitation or oppression. But wait a minute. If the privilege that they have makes sense, that's fine. But let me tell you, it doesn't give you the excuse to exploit or to oppress. And understand, men... You have the responsibility to take care of the wives. You have the responsibility to provide for the wife and the children. But that, and so because of that, you have authority. Because of that, you get to make certain decisions. That does not give you the right, though, to exploit. That does not give you the right to abuse. Men are typically, and they should be, stronger than their wives. That's good. That's how it should be. That does not give you the excuse to physically abuse your wife. You should never do that. In fact, you ought to lay down your life for your wife. You ought to be the one to take the bullet. You ought to be the one to take the hit. You ought to be the one to go after the burglar. Not her. 
That's the way, that's the way it goes. And so because of that privilege, you know, we're allowed to spend a little extra money if we want to buy a new gun or something like that, right? You know, it's because, you know, we're the ones that are going to have to go take out the bad guy. We're the ones that are going to have to go hunt down the animals if the grid goes down. So, you know, we need the tools, uh, making us capable of doing that kind of thing, alright? So, you know, Ladies, don't complain about your husbands, you know, buying guns or something like that or some extra ammo. And, and, and guys, if we're going to be doing that kind of thing, we should probably know how to use it and go to the target range every once in a while and do some shooting, stuff like that. So, you know, for Father's Day, uh, you know, buy, you know, let, let your, you know, buy your husband a gun or let him get some ammo and things like that. So just a little commercial for you guys there. Uh, I think that's spending some extra money, you know, it's kind of, that sounds like a privilege. Well, we deserve it, all right? You know, and uh, I, think, I think we've earned that. But guys, don't you be going out to the range all the time, buying all those guns, and then when the burglar comes, you hand your gun to the wife and say, you go take care of him, all right? No. Now you've got the responsibility, and you're the one that might get shot yourself. So uh, I think it all equals out. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so the, again, people are always blaming the patient. You know, whenever there's men who fail at doing their job, when they abuse their position, people use that to just throw out the position. That's not right. But men, understand, if we're all doing that, guess what? It's, people are going to get a bad impression of the patriarchy. People aren't going to want to follow it. We've got to set the example. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if, any man provide, but if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You stink when you fail to provide for your family. And let me tell you something. I am for the patriarchy, but you know what? If you've got a situation where you've got a guy sitting at home playing video games and his wife is out working and providing, and she's just not real submissive to you, I'm not going to feel that sorry for you. Hey, listen, you know, I, I, I believe the men ought to be in charge, but I believe a man ought to be doing his job. And so listen, guys, you quit your job, you make your wife go to work so you can play video games all day, don't come crying to me and asking me to preach a sermon at your wife about submission. No, I'm going to preach to you. Because you stink. And if I was your wife, I wouldn't want to submit to you either, and I probably wouldn't. And you know, it's, it's, it's not in the Bible, but it's in Second Opinions 2.14 where it says, He that payeth the bills maketh the rules. And so, you know, if the wife's paying the bills and she's bossing you around, and I, I said, it's a bad situation. But if you think I'm going to step in and defend you, you know, you got another thing coming. Men who fail to fulfill their responsibilities are the scum of the earth. And I'm not, I'm not looking to help you in any way, in any way. The problem we have today is on one side, you have men who want all the privileges with none of the responsibilities. Sorry, right, that's just not how that's going to work. And, you know, you know like, I, I'd like to have the authority of the president be able to have some of that executive privilege, but I really don't want to do the job. I don't want to deal with all the junk they have to deal with. I don't want to deal with the news media coming after me all the time and everybody hating me and all that. It's like, hey, if you want, if you want the privileges, you got to deal with the responsibility too. You know, sometimes, you know, I like the part of pastoring where I'm preaching and doing all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when it comes to some of the other responsibilities, it's like, I don't really like this that much. Preaching is a fun part, ladies and gentlemen. But just, you know, counseling, dealing with some of the problems and things that you have to do. But you know what? You can't have it both ways. You, you can't. Yeah, you gotta. You gotta be willing to do the whole thing. And so you know the problem. With, so the problem with the men, they want all the privileges without the responsibility. But the problem you have on the other side is you have women often stripping a man of what he needs to fulfill his responsibility, and then they start demanding a role 
that God never ordained for them to do. And so, you know, ladies, uh, you don't want to get involved in that. You don't want to do that kind of thing. You're not going to help out. And so why is it that we are so disgusted with our government today? Think about it. Why are we so disgusted with our government today? You know why we're disgusted with them? Because they are not doing what God ordained them to do. They're not punishing evildoers. And at the same time, they're doing everything that God never ordained them to do. And they're, what, what, I mean, all they're doing now is just indoctrinating people. Just funding wars and things that they have no business being involved in. And we are disgusted by our government because of that. And let me tell you, ladies, when you do things that God never ordained you to do, it's disgusting. And same thing, men. When you're not, when you're not doing what God ordained you to do, and you start doing things that you were never ordained to do, it's disgusting. You stink. No one's going to respect you. And people do not respect our government today because they have been derelict in their duties. And the solution is not to just get rid of the government. Okay? No, the solution is we need to fix the government. And men today are failing to do what God ordained them to do. And the solution is not to just eliminate the patriarchy, but it's to reform men. It's to get men doing what God ordained for them to do. And so when governments fail, societies rebel, don't they? That's what eventually happens. When they fail, societies end up rebelling. There ends up being a revolution. And one of the reasons there's a revolution in so many homes today is because men aren't doing their job. And it's not just because their wives are rebellious. It's because they're not doing their job. Men who are doing their job the way they want to typically have happy wives. And governments that are doing what governments have been ordained to do typically have happy citizens and nobody wants to, nobody wants to overthrow them at that point. So understand, it's a two-way street and it's high time men stop blaming the women. And it is. It's always the punks. The punks, they want sermon after sermon after sermon about women. But no, listen, if, you're, if the women are that bad, you're, the men are the problem. The men need the preaching, not the women. And so what are these duties that men need to be fulfilling? Real quickly, first thing, they need to be leading, leading, but with care and knowledge. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. What is it that we want from a government? We want a government that's not going to oppress us, one that's going to help us, one that's going to care about the people. You know, what, what do they often say too? You know, the best leaderships in the world or the best structure, government structure in the world is what, a benevolent dictator. You know, a guy who can just make decisions but is actually making good ones for the people. You know, the benevolent, the benevolent dictator. But typically, dictators are pretty oppressive of the people. And you know, the truth is, in a home, a benevolent dictatorship would be great. If you have a husband that's got all the authority, but he's always thinking about his wife. He's always thinking about his kids. He's always thinking about what's best for them. That's actually a really good situation. But you know what we have today? We have guys, I want all the authority. And they are, and they're terrible to their wives. They are physically abusive. They don't take care of them. They don't provide for their needs. They don't take care of the kids. And we are supposed to lead with care and knowledge. In Genesis thirty-three twelve. Jacob said, is speaking, he said, Let us take our journey and let us go, and I will go before thee. And he said unto him, My Lord knoweth that the children are tender, and the flocks and the herds with young are with me. And if I should overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servants, and I will lead on softly 
according as the cattle that goeth before me, and the children be able to endure until I come unto my Lord unto Seir. Jacob was a good leader. Jacob understood that, hey, I need to get through here. I need to get here through fast, but I can't. If I do, it will kill the cattle. If I do, it will hurt my family. I have children. They are young. I have wives. They are weaker than I am. Jacob could have handled it. Jacob would have been fine. But Jacob said, no, I'm going to lead on softly because he, he had knowledge of what they were able to handle. And let me tell you, men, you need to be, understand what your wife's capable of handling. Some women, they're not bad women, but maybe they are weaker. Maybe they're not able to handle as much. And I, t- I tell men all the time, if you're thinking about being a pastor, you better make sure you know what you're getting yourself into and that your wife's able to handle it because it's often very challenging for them too. And you lose your wife, you lose your ministry. And so you better, you better make sure she knows what she's getting herself into and that she's able to handle some things because it, it can be difficult sometimes and we need to make sure we don't go dragging our wives into things that they can't handle. There's some things that are, might be too difficult for them. It might be too difficult for your kids. Oh, I'm in charge. She just needs to say, yes, sir. Yeah, but you also, she's also supposed to be depending on you to take care of her and to look out for her and to love her, and to cherish her, and to love her like your own body. So un- understand, just you just getting your way for everything, you know, it's, that's not what it's about. It's because you are supposed to be thinking about their feelings and what they're going through. A good husband wants to please his wife and keep her happy. 1 Corinthians 7.32, But I would have you Without carefulness, he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. That sounds pretty good. And he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Oh, what a whoop dude. No, that's just... And and Paul was saying, hey, in this present distress, you're better off being unmarried because this situation, it's going to be really hard on the women. And if you're single, you don't have to worry about that. But hey... If you're married, you got to think about your wife. You got to, and, and, and we do. A good man thinks about his wife and how it's going to affect her. But another, so you're gonna you're going to lead. You're going to provide. Um, another thing, you're going to nurture the children. Ephesians six four. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You got a lot of guys out there, they want their wife to have a ton of kids and do all the work. But you know what? Guys, you should probably help. You're supposed to be nurturing them. You're supposed to be bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It says in Hebrews 12, 7, If ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? You're supposed to be involved in the disciplining. You're supposed to be involved and all that kind of stuff. But you know, you have guys, they think because they went and they put in their eight hours at the factory, that now they get to home and play, play video games the rest of the day. No, that's not how that works. I, I promise you, your wife would love it if she only had to work eight hours a day. But you know, the truth is, you ought to be involved, you ought to be helping. And you do. You have these women stressed out of their minds. They, they can barely function physically, mentally, emotionally. You have husbands do nothing and then they put all this expectation on the wives, and then their wives finally break, and then they act like, man, my wife's just not very submissive. No, you're a bad husband. You're a bad leader. You're a bad leader. And, and you, have, you have failed. 
And we are. We're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5.20 So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And you do. You have some of these guys that they'll, they'll work all day you know, and then they'll spend all evening going to the gym and stuff like that, always taking care of themselves, not doing anything with the kids, not doing anything with the wife. And it's just like, boy, you know, if you, let me tell you, some of these men out there, if they love their wives like they love their own body, you know, they're, they're obsessed with themselves, get mad at their wife because maybe she doesn't look the way that she did when they got married because she's had four or five kids. And it's just like, dude, you know, you need to be loving her like your own body. And it's clear you care about your own body. You give your own body everything at once. But then your wife, you do nothing. You just expect her to just, you know, give you everything you need. No, you need to be taking care of her too. I'm telling you, the punks, man, they're just the worst. I despise them. And, uh, and I do everything I can to show my hatred for them to make sure they would never try going after my daughter's. You know, snipe again, right? <laughs> every, every time. And, you know, but it's just, it's just reality. I, I love, I love my daughters. I don't, I won't want to have any miserable existence. And I've seen what some women have to go through, and it's a nightmare. It's a, it's a horrible thing. And so, Ephesians five thirty two, he says, or thirty three. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Boy, we love that part about the wives reverencing their husband. But you know what? You've got to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Hey, who got the better end of the deal between Christ and the church in that relationship? Hey, who did the sacrifice in that relationship? Jesus did. We, we got all the benefits. And you're supposed to be learning from that. And yet, we, a lot of husbands, they act like they want their wives to just sacrifice all for them. And then some women do sacrifice all for their husbands, and then the husbands act like their wife is really lucky to get them. <laughs> it's just like, man, you're so bad. You're so bad. The Bible says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. It doesn't say, she that findeth a husband findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So keep that in mind right there. But men should, men should be protective. You should be protective of your wife. You should be looking out for, concerned about the needs, about the well-being. And it is just, it is sad and it is tragic the way some husbands will just run their wives through the ringers with stuff and just, just don't care. You know, guys, we're adventurous. You know, we're ready to do whatever and, and, you know, go anywhere and, you know, move to Africa or something like that. You know, my wife and I, we were talking about how, you know, missionaries back in the day, you know, they used to going to a foreign country. They went there to die. I mean, it was a big deal. It was very expensive. They'd have to go on a boat to get to these places, and they would go there leaving family, figuring they'll probably never see them again. And they took their wives and kids over there, and they made those sacrifices. You know, thank God for people like that. You know, thank God for the women who submitted their husbands and, and did those things. But you know what? You've got a lot of guys just on a whim today. You know, for the dumbest reasons, just, you know, changing everything, uprooting everything, not caring what it does to the wife. That's not right. You know, I mean, how many of you guys have just thought, you know, it'd be nice to sometimes just go get a cabin out in the wilderness somewhere and just kind of get away from everybody, you know? And we like that, you know? We got our guns, we got our knives, we're ready to hunt, fish, live off the land. Okay, but how many of you women are like, 
don't, I don't know about it. I see, saw some guys' hands go up. Any women think that sounds good? You all are so... Okay, a couple. Most of you right, you're all so unsubmissive. <laughs> unsubmissive. No. Listen, that's hard. That's hard stuff. And, you know, yeah, women... And, you know, men, we do too. We like running water. We like heating and air conditioning. Paved roads. You know, grocery stores. You know, McDonald's. I mean, those are, these are, these are nice conveniences. And, you know, of course, those guys, we can live without any of that stuff. Yeah, but you know what? Could you take care of your wife without that stuff? Could, could, could you make your happy, wife happy in a wilderness? Could you provide for her in a wilderness? Could you keep her warm in a wilderness? Could you? I mean, maybe if you, you know, you could, that, that, that's great. But, you know, I don't know. I, I personally think we would probably all die out of the first winter. But, <laughs> in, in my family, but, you know, you know, we, we do. We all like to think we're like Grizzly Adams or somebody like that, or uh, what was that Survivor guy? Bear Grylls. You know, we all we all like to think we're somebody like that, but we're not. You know, we're all talk. But leading is a great responsibility, and God did not give us leadership so we could exploit and abuse. It happens. It happens in government. It happens in home, and it's wrong. It's wrong. I I wish abusive men. What I, you know, what, what should we do when, if we have patriarchy and men are abusive? I think we as a society, I think the government ought to take these guys in the middle of town square, put them in the stocks, and whip them. And let them stay there all day. And let all the young men come by and see this is what happens when you abuse your wife. And then we clean up the guy's wounds and we let him go home. And you say, you better provide for that woman. You better take care of her. We ever see her with a black eye again? We ever see her with a bruise again or something like that? You're going to get it even worse next time. But what, what do we do today? You say that sounds so cruel. We, we don't. First off, we don't do anything half the time. And if we do do anything, we put the guy in jail, we feed him, we take care of him, we protect him, then we let him back out, and then they go and they do it again. And women are scared to tell the police. And I, I, you say I, that sounds so old-fashioned and archaic. Yeah, back then they didn't have the problems that we are today. I would fully support that. And you know what? Maybe I'll run for mayor and we'll see if we can get that instituted in Rock Falls. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, don't think that'll, I don't think that'll work. But I would love it if it did. I would love it if it did. It would solve a lot of problems. Because again, just because there's bad husbands doesn't mean we should get rid of husbands. We, we, need, we, need, we need them. And what we're constantly seeing today, it's wicked people propping up other people who actually were epic failures in their role as a leader, and they're using them as an excuse to condemn male leadership. Yes, there have been some bad leaders that were men. But just because there's bad governments doesn't believe government is no longer biblical. We've just got to reform what goes wrong in these structures and get back to the biblical model. And there are many women out there today rebelling against their husbands. But in my experience, it's because the husband was failing in being a husband. doesn't justify you, you know, rebelling. doesn't mean she's right, but it's just the reality. That's what's going to happen. When governments fail, the people rebel. When husbands fail, the women rebel. And we're kind of being hypocritical when we get excited over people rebelling against wicked governments that are failing, and then we get mad when a wife rebels against her husband who's being wicked and failing as a husband. It's what we should kind of expect to happen. And as a society, I say we just go back to holding men accountable and forcing them, if necessary, to fulfill their responsibilities. It's like, you're not going to provide for your wife when you get a job. Okay, 
You're my slave. You're my slave. I'll, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll provide for your family. But you've got to do what I tell you now. Oh, no, let's just put them in jail. And then we've got to pay them to exist. And then pay welfare to their wife while he, they, he does nothing. Let me tell you, everybody in jail and in prison ought to be working their backsides off for the American people right now. Hard labor. Chain gang, whips, the whole nine yards. That would do more to deter crime than just about anything. But our system is broken. But you know what? Thankfully, if we so choose to submit to God and be obedient, we can have a functioning home and a functioning family. And men, we've got to make sure we do our part that we do not fail in our responsibility, that we lead our families. And honestly, I believe if we would do our jobs right, I think the ladies in our church would be the happiest ones. And so let's, let's get back to biblical models. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the examples. I thank you for the clear evidence and proof. Uh, and Lord, I pray you'll help us to stand strong and stand firm on these things. Help us not to uh, go along with our culture and society. Help us not to listen to their lies. But help us to just be an example uh, of how things are supposed to be and help us as men uh, to, to lead our homes and to get back to leading uh, this nation as, as you ordained. In your name we pray. Amen.